that you help us to to take away the cloud of uh, misunderstanding which is out there and to apply your word uh, to our hearts and uh, to really meditate and to reflect on it and to live by it. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you get irritated if your bus or train arrives or leaves uh, slightly late? Do you get exasperated when you have to be at the supermarket and you queue up and the queue moves very slowly? Do you get upset if you're walking along and the people or the people in front of you seem to be walking slower than normal? Do you get frustrated when the microwave machine takes too long to cook your food? Do you regularly exceed the speed limit when you're driving? Are you always looking at your watch throughout the day and feel that you are always running behind schedule? Now, I suppose if, uh, if you said yes to many of these uh, questions, uh, some people say that you might be suffering from a sickness. And uh, this cardiologist called Maya Friedman actually says it's called the hurry sickness, where you have an overdose of busyness. Uh, there's too much busyness in your life. And like a drug overdose, you know, you take too much drugs, it can be a very fatal thing. And especially as a Christian, it can be fatal to your Christian walk. Now, I shared last week about how the best man at my, uh, my wedding, many, many years ago, was a good architecture student. And he was a very active, committed Christian who was committed to doing ministry, but uh, never finished his architecture degree and uh, basically got burnt out doing Christian ministry. I think that part of uh, what happened when I look back at his story and uh, as I reflect on it was that he had the wrong understanding of busyness as a Christian. He didn't have a biblical understanding of busyness. But I think it's worse than that for countless other Christians who I know of, I can still remember, who no longer go to church, who are no longer Christians today, who no longer have forgiveness in Christ. Uh, they have actually fallen away because they have had the fatal dose of busyness. So I think that today we want to get to a right understanding of busyness. Now, last week we looked at the right biblical understanding of work. Uh, so work, as we saw, okay, I've got lots of slides again, for, especially for the people in the cry room. So if you look, work last week we said was serving God and looking after the world under God. Right? So we, God is the ruler of the world and He's put us under Him, man and woman, to work and to look after this world. But busyness, I think, is different from work. Because busyness is not just work. Busyness encompasses the all of living, all of life. So one way I think of understanding busyness is, is, the, is the way we run our life. Right? When you think of busyness, I think it's the pace in which we live our life. So uh, part of my research in doing this talk was this book called Crazy Busy. Okay, so don't worry about the title. But he has this, uh, the cover of his book, the idea of running. Right? How fast do you run your life? And I think that's a good definition in terms of busyness. How fast are you running your life? So let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about busyness. Now the first thing I think if we open God's Word up, uh, we will see that the Bible doesn't really condemn busyness. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that we are to live lives free of tiredness, uh, deadlines and pressures. It doesn't say that we are to... We are to avoid busyness. In fact, if you look at the Bible, okay, um, I'm only going to be flashing out quite a few passages, so you can take down the notes or you can go through and ask me more questions as we go through later on. 
But if you look at the life of Paul, do you remember Paul when we looked at 2 Corinthians a couple of years ago? He characterized his life as a life of busyness. So he said that he was constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from de- Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So here's Paul and you can obviously see that his life is full of busyness. He's busy, right? He's got deadlines, he's got pressures, he goes without sleep, he's hungry, but yet he keeps going on. Okay? In the life of Jesus as well, Jesus Christ, our Saviour and our Lord, when we reflect on his life in the Gospels, he's also a very busy man, right? I mean, Jesus didn't just lie down in his hammock every day, right, drinking uh, a soft drink or something. He was always moving and doing things. So Jesus, um, when, uh, you know, he went up to different places. So in Matthew chapter 15, he actually went up to the mountainside and to sit down and to rest. And what happened? Great crowds came to Jesus uh, bring the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. In Mark chapter 3, his ministry was so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. Right? So in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, Then Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. So Jesus and his apostles were busy people. Right? Busyness is not something which is bad as Christians. I remember when I was at university, I, I encountered some Christians and I always invited them to Bible study, to church, to the campus fellowship. And sometimes they excuse to me, oh, I'm very busy, I'm very busy, right? I, I need to rest, I need to rest. And I sort of got the impression from them that the Christian life was all about relaxation. Right? That, that, that somehow... Being a Christian was not about busyness. But actually, when you look at these passages about Paul, about Jesus, the Christian life is not about rest, it is about being busy. And in fact, as Christians, we are probably more busy than other people because we are called to a life of service. We are called to a life of love. We are committed to other people. So we are actually more busy than other people. In fact, when you think back again, if you look at these slides, to what Jesus says and how that reflects in our living, you'll see that actually as Christians, because we are called to love God and to love other people and therefore to serve them in love, we will definitely be more busy than other people. So Jesus answered this uh, man, he said, who asked him what it was, uh, the summation of the law, and he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and of all your strength, and of all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Galatians chapter 5 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. So actually, to be a Christian is to be busy, because when you're committed to love other people, and you're committed to serve other people, as part of your service to God, you will be busy. In fact, that's why you're more busy than other people because you're not selfish. You're willing to give of yourself in busyness to serve and to love them. 
So the first thing we learn is being busy is not an unnatural thing for Christians. It's not, it's not something which we should run away from. In fact, being busy as Christians is a good thing. But I think the Bible tells us that we must be busy doing good and right things rather than doing things which are idle and which are, I guess, not fruitful. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, next slide, it says, We hear that some of you among you are idle, right? They are not busy, they are idle. They are not busy, but they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. In Titus chapter 2, uh, Paul again says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. See here, busyness is actually commended. The problem was that people were busy with the wrong things, right? So you can be busy doing the wrong things. You can be busy gossiping. You can be busy getting drunk, drinking wine. You can be busy being busybodies. But rather, what we as Christians were exhorted to do, by Paul here in 2 Thessalonians and Titus, was to be busy with good things. That's what it says here, right? Do the, the right, or in the previous verse actually in 2 Thessalonians, we have to be busy on a, the next one. We have to be doing, busy doing what is right which is working with our hands, earning the bread we eat. Uh, in the next slide, for the women to not to, to be busy at home. So I think that the important thing is we must be busy at the right time doing the right things. Now, when we reflect on our lives, are we busy with the right things? Now, interestingly enough, I was reading one of the books as, as part of my research, and it gave this illustration about how there was this person who was really busy at work. And they really enjoyed their work. They were really successful executives. And they used to work really late into the night. But actually what was happening was, this person was actually busy with the wrong things. See, there's nothing wrong with being busy at work. In fact, we should be busy at work when we're at work. It's just that the, this person was using work to avoid being busy at home. Because at work, what he found was that, you know, he had a lot of subordinates who would listen to him. He had a lot of people who would praise him, he had a secretary who would listen to whatever he said. But when he went home, he had children who would argue with him, who would talk back to him, who wouldn't listen to him. He had a wife who, even though she was loving, but yet required him to listen to her all the time. So he found it much easier to be at work. But the problem was that he was busy doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. See, so... Actually, it's not wrong to be busy at work, but sometimes we are busy at the wrong thing. And this man was busy with the wrong thing. Instead of working all those hours, which he really didn't have to, he was using work as an excuse not to be busy with what he should have been busy with, which was being a father to his children and being a husband to his wife. Now, I guess for many others of us, we may be busy, but we may be busy with the wrong things. So some Christians I know are busy with their hobbies, like their computer games, or watching TV late into the night, or 
you know, uh, doing sorts of hobbies. Maybe for some of the ladies, you know, I always speak on the guys, maybe you're busy with the wrong things too, like watching too many Korean dramas or Mandarin serials. Right? But there's nothing wrong with busy, being busy when we're busy with the right things. So if you're a mother with uh, small children, it's good to be busy looking after your children. If you work for a living, it is important to be busy when you're at work. When you're a student studying, you should be study, busy with your study. There's nothing wrong with that. But you must be busy doing what is right and good before God. But most of all, our first priority of our busyness is to be busy spending time with God before we're busy with anything else. And that's where Luke chapter 10 comes in, which is the passage which was read to us in the scripture reading. Now, if you look very carefully in Luke chapter 10, it's quite interesting because when you look at Luke chapter 10, it's not as if Martha was doing the bad thing. Right? Jesus and disciples came to her house and what did she do? She did what any good host would do. She would mop the floor or prepare the dishes or cook a big meal. But look at what it says there in verse 40. It says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. See, there are good things to do with our busyness, but there is the best thing to do with our busyness and that is to spend time with Jesus. It was a good thing for Mary to clean the house and to cook and to prepare and to do the dishes. But it wasn't the best thing. See, the best thing was what Mary was doing, which was spending time with Jesus. And that's why it says here in verse 40 that Mary was distracted. She was distracted. Uh, Next slide. See, she was distracted because she was worried and upset about many things. And I think that this word distracted is a very negative word here. You see, it's like being distracted is where you are meant to do something, you are meant to focus all your attention on something, but you do something less important instead. You know, the more important thing is here, but you are distracted to do something less important. So you are driving in your car, down the road, and uh, you should be focusing 100% of your attention on driving. You should be looking ahead, you should be looking at your rear view mirror every 20 seconds or whatever, you should be surveying all the traffic around. But imagine you start fiddling with your, 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 your phone, or your radio, or your GPS. You are distracted, right? Because you're not doing what you should be doing, but you're doing something which is less important. And if you keep doing that, it can lead to fatal results because you're not focusing on what you really need to focus on, which is the driving. And that's exactly the same principle here. Jesus is saying that Martha was distracted. She should have been focusing on the most important thing, which was spending time with Jesus, but she was distracted because she was worried and upset about many things. Now, I think that that is the the problem with busyness. Because the number one thing that we should be doing with our days 
is to focus on Jesus and make sure that our relationship with Jesus is right. But busyness distracts us from the most important thing in our life to do many things and we get worried and upset about them so we can't focus on the number one priority which is our relationship with Jesus. Now I wonder when you reflect on your own life whether that's a problem. Does your busyness with all these things distract you from the number one priority which is spending time with Jesus and making sure that your relationship with God is right. Now when I uh, first came to uh, BTBC many, many years ago, I remember the first couple of months, or the first half a year anyway, I was really, really busy. Uh, I, I remember I, I, was, I had this terrible headache for most of the first, first year, I remember. And I think when I look back, uh, I was just too busy. Because I was, I was coming here, I was preaching, I was, and at the same time, I was, I was in my old church, and I was running uh, three boys' brigade companies, two girls' brigade companies, and I was starting two more companies in uh, Nanyang Primary School, and at the same time, I was looking after the youth ministry, right? And I realized how busy I must have been, because after I left my old church, instead of, instead of having one person do that job, they actually gave it to two people. Anyway, so, I remember during that time, <coughs> I bought this book, the Everything Time Management Book. Right, it was really thick. Because I thought the problem was I wasn't managing my time efficiently. But the problem was not that I wasn't managing my time efficiently. It was that I didn't know the art of time management. The art of time management is, according to this book and some of the books I read, the art of saying no. That's the art of time management. The art of leaving things undone. Time management is deciding what not to do. And that's what Jesus is actually saying here, isn't it? Jesus was actually saying that the art of time management was to, to prioritize the number one thing, which was to spend time with Jesus, and therefore to say no for Martha to the housework and the cleaning and the cooking. And I think that that is the most important thing. We need to prioritize in our busyness time with God and time spent with Jesus. Like the time management book says, your no's give value to your yeses. Your no's give value to your yeses. You see, if I were to, to say yes to preaching at church, but I said yes to everybody else, you know, I went to every social function, I went yes to every Bible study, I went to every cell group, I went to every wedding, I went to every gathering to watch soccer or something, then... My, my yes to preaching on Sunday would be valueless because I would have no time to prepare. But every time you say no to them, you actually give more value to your, your yes. So in the same way, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you need to say no to other things. You need to say no to maybe your TV, no to computer, maybe no to some work, maybe no to cleaning, maybe decide to say no to many things so you may sleep early. Because at the end of the day, we cannot allow our busyness, like I said there, to be a distraction and to be worried and upset about many things. So just last week, no, no, actually the week before, uh, I have this Bible reading book and every day there's a quote uh, by somebody uh, and uh, there was this guy, next slide, Paul Charles McIntosh, I never heard of him, but he said, there is no greater hindrance in getting into the thoughts of God than having our minds filled with our own thoughts or the thoughts of men. I thought, well, how, 
profound that is and how applicable to it is here because when you're worried and upset about a lot of things, you cannot think the thoughts of God. You cannot fill your mind with more than one thing, right? If you're thinking about God, then you cannot be worried and upset and thinking and distracted by other things. You need to focus on God. And that's why in Luke chapter 9, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 8, next slide, uh, this is about, uh, from the parable of the sower. Uh, Jesus said about the danger, about the third seed, remember, or the third soil, sorry. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those of a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. See, how is the seed choked? It's choked because people are distracted by the worries and the riches and the pleasures in which they give their life to. They do not put the priority in hearing the word, obeying the word, and living the word. But instead, they are distracted by the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. So their mind is not focused on the right thing. So again, uh, I'm not sure many of you have heard this guy called Stephen Covey. He's a management guru guy, right? And his uh, thing is always about putting the first things first. Right? That's, that's for him, that's, that's, you can summarize his whole book in one, one phrase, right? You need to put the first thing first. And that's the whole secret about time management, I suppose. You need to put the first thing first. And the first thing for us as Christians is to spend time with Jesus and to spend time with God. See, I think that when we approach our days, we must approach it in a very different way than the world does. See, for us, what is our approach to the day? When we approach every day, we want to, we want to finish the Christian race, right? In order to finish the Christian race, every day we must keep sustaining our relationship with God. So every day, when we finish the day, we should ask ourselves, have I used my time well to nurture and foster this relationship with Jesus? Have I used my day well by spending time with Jesus? See, the problem with the world is, and this is the way the world looks at time, right? When they finish the day, they ask themselves, what do I have left to do? Do you ever look at life like that? You come to the end of the day and you think, ah, what do I have left to do? But actually, as a Christian, we don't ask the Christian, what do I have left to do? The, the, the question that we have to ask as Christians is, have I spent my day well in spending time with Jesus? So, okay, you remember last week, I spent so much time with this diagram, I thought I'd use it again. Next slide. Okay, remember I said life was like a big glass jar, right? Okay, the, the glass jar represents the sum of your day, okay? And I said that uh, we can fill it up with many things, Okay, so fill up work, next slide, hobbies, TV, games, uh, work, training, job, investment, next slide. Okay, relationships, okay, someone said, last year I didn't put spouse, so sorry about that. Okay, spouse, right, okay, next slide, parents, children, okay. But I said that the first priority, again, what's the first thing that we need to put in our life? Is God, isn't it? Read the Bible, pray, church, Bible study. But if we don't put first things first, we, we actually run out of time for the things which are really important for us in terms of our relationship with God. Okay, next slide. So instead, we should put in all the things which are important in terms of our spiritual walk. 
our daily Bible reading, our prayer, going to church, Bible study. And then we fill it up with everything else. Work, hobbies, TV games, next slide. And what it means is, okay, so now I developed the slide some more, okay? What it means is we have to say no to some things. Right? Because the art of time management is to say no, to give value to your yeses. So maybe after you put in all the priorities, spending time with God, and obviously you've got to work to make a living, which God tells you, you've got to look after your children, you've got to spend time with your spouse and your parents, and you might have training in some TV and games, you might not be able to do some of the things that you, you think were really important. Okay, so sometimes you don't have time to, to, to have a second job, look after your investment, sometimes you have less time to spend your hobbies, sometimes you have to neglect your household chores. Sometimes you can't buy the new gadget you want to buy because you can't go to Simlim. And sometimes even, you might even have to not be able to spend time in ministry. Now, what it means is that once you have your priorities right, then you will always start with your relationship with God. And it might mean that you have to say no to some other things, even ministry. I remember talking uh, to this guy who was an elder of another church, who was telling me about how uh, his church's philosophy was to overload all the, uh, the deacons and elders of the church. And he was a man of a young family, of young children, and he said that he was actually, it was actually affecting his marriage and his relationship with his children. And I said to him that then he was actually spending his time wrongly, I told him. He should not spend so much time in ministry and he should spend time looking after his children and his spouse. And I said so to people in our church as well, that uh, if you feel that you're getting burnt out in you know, church camp committee or music team or Bible study or missions or whatever, and you can't cope with that busyness and it's affecting your spiritual walk, then you need to do less ministry because your relationship with God is the most important thing. Your relationship with God is the most important thing. I remember at theological college, they always used to tell us all the time, you are first and foremost a child of God, a bride of Christ. You, you, before you're a minister, before you're a missionary, before you're a pastor, you're first of all a Christian. And you need to look after that relationship. Now, if the danger of busyness, as we've seen in the Bible, is that it can be a distraction from doing the most important thing, which is to have our relationship with God. A second danger is that we can become too busy to rest. Okay, so busyness can affect our rest. According to statistics, the average American has two and a half fewer hours sleep per night than a century ago. That means Singaporeans must have four and a half. Okay, don't worry. Okay, but apparently more than 40 million Americans get fewer than six hours sleep a night. What are they all doing? Don't know. But there's a spiritual danger in not getting enough rest. Okay, you know, if you get fatigued, you become more grumpy and more ungodly. Do you know if you're tired, it's harder to exercise self-control? So if you're very tired and you struggle with pornography, you're more likely to sit on the internet because you're tired. It takes effort for you to exercise self-control. That's why when people are stressed and they're working really hard, they're more likely to eat junk food because you put all the energy into work, you've got no energy left for self-control. When you're exhausted, you don't feel like praying and you don't feel like reading the Bible. 
And that's why Don Carson, when he preached a sermon about religious doubt, he said one out of six possible causes for doubt was the lack of sleep. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we read of the great prophet Elijah. And Elijah, before this chapter, 19, had battled against the 450 prophets of Baal and had been a great man of faith. He trusted God against these 450 prophets and the queen and had, had come out victorious. And straight after this event, look at what happens to him. In verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went to a cave and spent the night. See, what was the problem with Elijah? Why had Elijah, who had just previously been so strong in his faith, he stood up to the queen and 450 prophets, why did he suddenly give up on God because he was just so tired. He, he needed a break. And I think that even the greatest of us, under fatigue, under tiredness, under exhaustion, can become cowards before God. And that's why we need to make sure that we're not too busy for sleep. We must make sure that we're, our busyness doesn't make us so overwhelmed that we do not get sleep because we need sleep as part of our spiritual journey. But then what that must mean is that we must be less busy with our leisure. I think this is my analysis, right? It means that we must watch one less hour of meaningless TV so that we can sleep earlier. We must not fritter away those 45 minutes wasting our time lying in bed, reading meaningless blogs and Facebook posts. We must not laze around watching jumping cats on YouTube when you could be lying down sleeping. Because over time, if you keep doing this, your soul will be in danger. You know, one of the ways that people torture you is when they keep, when you're trying to rest and they keep poking you so that you become alert. You know, like apparently, you know, in prisons, you're lying there, and then just as you're going to fall asleep, they come and blast loud music, and then you're lying there, and then you're going to fall asleep, they throw cold water on you. Well, that's the same thing that happens with our mobile devices, right? You know, our mobile devices, there's that deep, 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 all this sort of stuff, right? It's like, you know, you're trying to relax, and then one moment someone taps you on the shoulder, you got a text. You, you know, you're trying to relax, someone pokes you, you got a tweet. Or you're trying to relax, and then there's noise coming from your phone, you got a post. And then someone replies to your message, and then someone starts a new thread. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're watching a movie, you're watching TV, even in your toilet. People are poking you all the time. So how can you rest? You cannot rest. Right? You're tired, you're fatigued, and as a result, your spiritual life actually gets affected. And I think that uh, also, this fatigue comes about 
because we're too stressed with life, we're, we're too busy, we have an overdose of busyness. So we don't get enough rest because part of the reason is we filled our life up with too many things. Now, do any of you feel right now that you're too busy? Do you feel that 24 hours is not enough time in a day? If you could choose how long you could have in a day, would you choose 26 hours? 28? 30 maybe? See the problem is, even if I gave you 32 hours a day, you would still be too busy. Because the problem is not the length of time there is in a day, the problem is that we are filling up too much in those 24 hours than God intended. See, generally, when we are busy and we are engaged, we can be quite satisfied and happy with life, right? I mean, if, 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 I, give, if I give you 24 hours and you fill it up with a manageable amount of busyness, you can feel pretty happy, right? Because you know you're doing things, you're engaged, your mind, your body, and then you know that you can finish your work, you know you can finish your leisure, you know you can go to sleep. The problem is, when you have 24 hours and you fill it up with more than what you can do, that's when it becomes really stressful. And the, the funny thing is, okay, let's say you have just, amount, just the right amount for, for 24 hours, but then you add another 2 hours or 1 hour worth, the, the irony is you're not just stressed for those two or one hour more that you add it on, you're stressed for the whole day, isn't it? So you think of it like the glass jar again, okay? Where's my pen? Okay, so imagine thinking of the glass jar again, okay? So next slide. You've got all these things that you said no to and you can't fill up the day because the day is really full, right? The glass jar is full, there's nothing else. But you think, okay, I'll buy this book and I'll squash everything I want into a day because you know it's not about quantity time, it's quality time, right? So next slide. So you try to squash everything into your day, you know, household chores, your ministry, buy new gadget, everything. But now it becomes very chaotic and looks very messy and very stressful just looking at it, right? Then what happens? Your, your, the, the glass jar starts cracking, right? Because you can't fit everything in. And the thing is, all the things that you enjoyed before, like the daily Bible reading, the church, and your work, because you could easily fit it into a day, now, everything that you used to enjoy becomes very stressful too because you try to squash everything in, isn't it? And that's the problem because the, it's actually a reflection of a lack of trust in God that we try to do everything that we want to do because we, we do not, ref, I guess, reflect that God has said there's only 24 hours and you need to do these things and you need to leave other things undone. I remember that one of the things that I came I saw in one of my readings was a very helpful thing to deal with stress. And it said that, next slide, that there is, there's, our life is made out of two things. The circle of control and the circle of care. Okay, I, I mean, this is not really strictly part of the Bible, but I think it is part of the Bible if you think of it, uh, in, the, in what God is doing and what we are doing. So the circle of control is what I can do myself. God tells me to love other people. I can do that. God tells me to live righteously before Him. I can do that. God tells me to do an honest day's work. I can do that. God tells me to love my children, to care for my children, to guide them. I can do that. I can love my wife. Those are the things I can control. But the circle of care is things that I am concerned about but I have no control over. I cannot control whether my boss 
really likes me. Can I? I can just do my job well, but I can't control whether he likes me or not, whether he'll give me a good appraisal. I can't control uh, whether my children will become Christian to a certain degree. I can't force them to. Uh, I can't control whether when I evangelize other people that they'll become Christians. Can I control that? I can't. I can just share as persuasively and as honestly as possible. I can't control whether they uh, want to believe. I can't control whether my project will be a success. All I can do is do the best that I can. But the problem is that we think that we are God and we think that we, we want to take all these things into our control, you see. We, we, we think that we want to, instead of trusting God with the things that are outside our control, we want to control these things. And therefore, we could put more and more effort into it and more and more worry instead of giving it up to God. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's quite interesting because Paul recognizes that it is not his effort that will bring results, but it is God that will bring results. All he has to do is to labor faithfully. So 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. See, it's very interesting. They're not not rewarded according to their results, but their labor. See, at the end of the day, Paul recognizes that he does what he does faithfully and he leaves the circle of influence or the results to God. I remember when I was at theological college and apparently Moore College has a bad reputation of being a very competitive place when I was there. And uh, I think it's still very competitive. And I remember the principal used to give us guidelines as to how long you had to take for each project. Okay, so you have an essay. Essay could only, you know, you could only spend maximum 20 hours. Okay, you've got an exegetical exercise, maximum only 10 hours. And the principal said that, look, you just have to spend the recommended amount of time for each project. And if God thinks you only deserve a C, then that's all you deserve. If you get an A, then that's what you deserve. You spend that, that 10 hours and that's, that's what your capacity was. You have a C capacity. You spend 10 hours and you got an A, that's what your capacity was. You got an A. He said, we don't want you to, to be a hero and spend 30 hours on a 10-hour assignment to get an A, but neglect your family, your, your, your walk with God, your relationship with other Christians. See, and I was thinking, that's, that's, uh, that was really something that opened my eyes, isn't it? Because fundamentally, what he was trying to say was, why are we working so hard on some things when, when actually all it deserves is those 10 hours? And the problem was that there was a difference between doing good and looking good. Right? It's a matter of pride, isn't it? If, you, if, if they say, oh, you're only meant to spend 10 hours on this, and you, in those 10 hours, we hope that you learn something, and that this is the result you get, that is what you're doing. You're doing good. This is the good that you're supposed to do. But if you want to spend 30 hours on this 10-hour assignment so that you can get an A, you're not really interested about doing good and just learning from the, the exercise, but you want to look good. 
And there's a difference. There's a difference between the doing the good that God wants you to do and looking good. Ultimately, you just have to do what you can control and leave the circle of influence that you're so worried about to God. In Philippians chapter 4, which is what we did last week for the membership class, it says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, this prayer recognizes that once we commit it into God's hands, God will worry about it. All we have to do is trust in God because in Christ Jesus, God looks after us, God protects us, God guards us and gives us His peace. So, if I'm going through the day and I'm in a traffic jam, do I get really frustrated? No, because it is God's will that I'm in this traffic jam. Can I control that I'm in a traffic jam? No, I can't. If I do the best I can and I don't get a good result, it's God's will for me to get the result. I put in an offered, honest effort and this is the ability that I have. I can't control that result. If my boss is unfair to me and shouts at me, can I control that? I can't. I can't control that my boss is angry at me. I just did the best I could. So ultimately, I can have peace even in the midst of busyness because I recognize that I'm only faithful to what I can do before God and I leave the rest to God. In conclusion, busyness is not a bad thing. We should be busy. Busyness is a good thing as Christians. We should be busy at doing what's good and right. We should be busy loving and serving other people. But most of all, we should, we should be busy spending time with Jesus, first and foremost. We should not let our busyness distract us from our most important thing, which is spending time with Jesus. And we should not let our busyness lead us to be fatigued so that we, we, we have no strength left in our relationship with God. And most of all, especially at the last part in Singapore, we should not let our busyness make us so tired and stressed that we are worried and upset all the time. We should be willing to say, look, God, you are in control of these greater things. We, I can't control these things. I will put it into your hands. I'll, I'll just do what I can do before you and you are in control and I'll focus on you. There was once an old gentleman in England who led a group of godly saints in morning prayer. And when they ended in prayer, he used to always end and say, and we go blithely into a new day. Now, obviously, nobody speaks like that anymore. What's blithely? Well, apparently, blithely, if you look up the dictionary, is the word where it just means a heart at perfect rest. It means without a care in the world. We can go blithely into the world because we have committed everything to God, we recognize that He is in control. Therefore, even in the midst of our busyness, there can be no strain, no tension, and no stress, because we know that God is in control, and that we have put the most important thing first, which is our relationship with Him. So let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that we may learn the lessons from your word about who you are and who we are and the place of and the danger of busyness in our life. We thank you that we have uh, lives which are so full of, of things to do, but we pray that we will spend them doing the right things, that our time will be used in uh, doing good and godly things and being 
working with honesty and diligence to be uh, good parents, to be good children, to be good spouses, to be good uh, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that we will spend our time first and foremost uh, with Jesus and cultivating our relationship with Him. We pray that we will not be too busy with our leisure and our devices for rest and sleep. And lastly, that we will not be uh, so busy because of our desire for control of all things, that we are so stressed about everything because of things which are actually within your control and not our control. We pray that as a result of understanding all these things, that truly we will be able to persevere in this busy world uh, and yet be able uh, to find the right balance and the right focus in our lives. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.